This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, I'm Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Kids can be cruel, relentless with bullying, especially if you're any different from what they perceive to be normal. These things can have lasting effects on a person. It can really change and shape who someone is. This is the story of Christine Paolila, who was relentlessly bullied before she was shown kindness by a pair of two girls at her high school. Unfortunately, this story doesn't have a happy ending because sometimes a person's past and inner demons can drive them to make choices that they may not have otherwise made. In this story, the choice was murder. Tonight's episode is sponsored by True Crime Stories, Twisted Tales of True Crime, Murders, Disappearances, and Serial Killers by Hannah Tidy. Oh, you guys, this book is great. It was written specifically for people like us. When true crime is done well, it teaches us how to be vigilant. It teaches us compassion, and it keeps the memories of victims alive. True Crime Stories by H.J. Tidy is a compilation of 10 unbelievable true crime cases worldwide. The writer tells the stories of both perpetrator and victim without sensationalism. True Crime Stories by H.J. Tidy is available on Amazon or Audible. I also have the link in my show notes. You're 100% going to want to check this out and add it to the top of your must-read list. Now let's jump in. Let's start with the person at the center of this story. Christine Paolila was born March 31st, 1986, which is just a week before I was born, actually. She was born on Long Island, New York, to her mother Lori, who was a stay-at-home mom, and her father Charles, a construction worker. She also has one older brother. As a young child, she was described as very outgoing. She was outspoken, shy at times, and she was definitely the apple of daddy's eye. Unfortunately, tragedy struck Christine early in life. When she was just two years old, her father was killed in a construction accident. He was actually killed by falling bricks during construction on a high-rise in New York City. And from there, it all seemed to go downhill quickly. A few months later, Christine's grandfather and great-grandmother also passed away. Her mother Lori had a really difficult time 
dealing with her husband's death, and she began abusing drugs and eventually lost custody of her children. At age seven, Christine and her brother went to live with her grandparents, while her mother continued to struggle with her drug habit. When Christine was in kindergarten, she was diagnosed with alopecia, which caused her to lose her hair, her eyebrows, and eyelashes. Her mother would say she would wake up in the morning and there would be clumps of hair all over her pillow, patches here, patches there, and eventually it led to where it affected her eyes, so she lost her eyebrows, she lost her eyelashes. This would have been really difficult for Christine. It's not something you really think about, but hair is important to us in so many ways. It's actually a part of your identity. Of course, the children at school didn't really understand why her hair was so thin and coming out in clumps, so she was teased relentlessly. Christine tried to wear wigs to hide the hair loss, but it didn't really make a difference. Many of the wigs that she wore were described as bulky and almost Halloween-like wigs. And then she would draw on her eyebrows in a very obvious way. And because kids can be dicks, she was still bullied. But now, kids were actually grabbing her wigs and yanking them off. In addition to issues with hair loss, Christine also had poor vision, and as a result, she had to wear really thick glasses. You know, what some people might describe as Coke bottle glasses. Kids are cruel, and Christine hated every day that she had to wake up and wonder who was going to hurt her at school that day. Eventually, Christine was reunited with her mother, who had overcome her drug addiction and had remarried. The family then moved to Clear Lake City, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Clear Lake City was a really nice area. It was mostly upper middle class, and it really just gave them a chance to have a fresh start. Christine, her mom, her stepdad, and her brother. Christine enrolled at Clear Lake High School and was, of course, very nervous that the bullying would continue here. But things would be different. Christine would meet Rachel Coloraudis and Tiffany Rowell, two very popular students who wanted to link arms with Christine and show her what friendship was all about. They were both very social, they ran in the more popular groups, they were very active and involved in school activities. Everything that you might imagine with the popular kids at school, but unlike a lot of the other sort of popular teens that you see in media and pop culture... They were both very kind and accepting. Rachel, well, she was known for her beautiful, long, flowing hair and her sensational smile. She had a quick wit and she was just really fun to be around. She was considering joining the United States Air Force once she was done with school. She was a very talented artist, very hardworking. She had several after-school jobs over the years, including babysitting, because she loved being around children so much. As for Tiffany, she had a radiant smile and a loving, generous personality. She was also a very talented actress who dreamed of becoming a social worker someday. Of course, she too was very beautiful with lots of friends, but Rachel was her best friend. Tiffany and Rachel were a year ahead of Christine in school, but they still decided to kind of take her under their wing. And Christine, well, she adored them. The three of them had so much fun together. They always spent time just hanging out and laughing. 
Christine really began to transform. On the inside, she became more confident, outgoing, and happy. And then on the outside, she began to change too. Her new friends taught her how to dress, how to do her makeup. They helped her to buy more attractive wigs. She changed so much that she was even voted Miss Irresistible by her classmates. I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) I thought that was a little bit weird when I read it, but okay. Christine finally felt like she belonged, like she was part of the crowd, and she felt so comfortable and trusting of her new friends that she would even hang around them without her wig on. This is something that she would never do with anyone else. Her mother reported her as being the happiest she had ever seen. In the summer of 2003, Rachel and Tiffany, who were both 18 years old at the time, left school and moved in together. Christine, age 17, was in her last year of high school, and she would still often visit with the girls. It was around this time that Christine began dating a 21-year-old named Christopher Lee Snyder. You know, I always kind of snarl when I read about high schoolers dating people in their 20s, but I can't really say anything. I wasn't any better in my teens. And maybe in this situation, it wasn't even really about the age difference. It was more about who Christopher was as a person. He frequently used drugs and he had an extensive criminal record that included armed robbery. Of course, Christine's parents, they hated him, but so did Rachel and Tiffany. They loved Christine and they constantly told her that she could do better than him. And she really could, especially with all that she had overcome already and now being on the path that she was on. She could have gone so far, but she really became wrapped up in Chris and all that he was. She changed and it was a very toxic relationship. Christine began doing drugs with Chris and there was a lot of jealousy in the relationship. He started isolating her from her friends and family and even emotionally abusing her. In one instance, he showed up at school one day and he pulled her wig off to embarrass her in front of her classmates. But at the same time, Christine suffered from low self-esteem and she loved and craved his attention. She got really jealous if he talked to other girls, they would fight. And Christine would end up sleeping on Chris's front lawn until he let her inside. She even like rattle the screen door and try to break into the house if he wouldn't speak to her. And the police were often called when the two would get into it. Apparently, she also demanded violent, rough sex from him, almost as if she wanted him to punish her. It's like she just didn't feel like she deserved any better. Christine had her own problems that she was still dealing with, and this relationship, well, it was just the perfect storm. For what it's worth, Christine's parents really tried to keep her away from him. They would ground her, try to take away her things, but the girl is 17 years old. It's kind of hard when they get to that age. When her parents discovered the drug abuse, they even consulted with attorneys and police officers, and they tried to get a restraining order and have Chris arrested, but it didn't work. Of course, with all of the drama, the violence, the drugs within Christine and Chris's relationship, the friendship between Christine, Rachel, and Tiffany kind of dwindled. There were no hard feelings whatsoever between them. In fact, Rachel still kept a photo of Christine in her purse. On the back of the photo, a message was scrawled by Christine that read, 
Damn, we've had some crazy memories. I love you. The girls just didn't spend a whole lot of time together anymore. It was sort of a natural progression. There wasn't anything really wrong or anything that had happened to end the friendship. It just sort of disintegrated over time. But everything was about to come to a head in the most senseless of ways. Christine and Chris were using a ton of drugs at this point, which of course was expensive, so they needed more money. Chris suggested that they rob Rachel and Tiffany. Clearly, he had some sort of control or hold on Christine because she decided to go along with it. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so... I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, 
These meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. On the afternoon of July 18th, 2003, Chris and Christine went to pay a visit to Rachel and Tiffany. They had planned to throw a party later in the evening, so there were a couple of people there at the house, including Tiffany's 19-year-old boyfriend, Marcus Purcella, and his 22-year-old cousin, Adalbert Sanchez. The details of what happened in the home are a little sketchy, but in the end, police would find four bloody bodies in the living room of the home. It was described as an absolute bloody mess. They counted 40 shots fired. Tiffany and her boyfriend Marcus were found shot to death sitting on the couch. It literally looked as if they were shot while they sat there watching a movie. Marcus's cousin Adelbert was found shot dead on the floor, but the worst of the violence was directed towards Rachel. She'd been shot several times, but she didn't die from the gun wounds. It appeared that she was trying to crawl to the phone and she had the numbers 9 and 1 dialed before she was repeatedly bashed in the head with a blunt object. What was strange was that most of the bullets appeared to be shot at her groin region and it was all described as overkill. As for physical evidence, there wasn't really anything found at the scene, but a neighbor did report seeing a male and a female dressed in black, walking up to the house. They hadn't suspected anything at the time, so they didn't pay much attention until after hearing about the murders. Nonetheless, using the neighbor's descriptions, a Houston Police Department forensic sketch artist created composite sketches of the suspects, and I'll have those up over on my Facebook for you to check out. But they're very general. It's hard to make out any specific features. Take a look and let me know what you think. Police believed that the murders were most likely drug-related, and they sort of stuck to this theory. It's rumored that both Rachel and Tiffany were pulling waitressing shifts at a local strip club. No shame on them at all, trust me, no shame here. But the world of strip clubs can be seedy, and so they thought that maybe someone had targeted them from there. Tiffany's boyfriend Marcus was also rumored to be dealing ecstasy and cocaine, so that's where they focused the majority of their investigative efforts. But it all came back to a dead end. Despite getting over 400 leads in the early months, most leading back to those drug associations, the investigation went nowhere. A couple years passed by, and then 10 days before the third anniversary of the murders, Houston police received an anonymous tip from a man who said he'd met Christine Paolila in rehab, and she had told him how she and her boyfriend committed the murders. Police were able to track her down through her ATM activity, and within two days of that tip coming in, they were able to arrest her. So where did they find her? Well, she was living in a motel room with her new husband, Justin, and they were living in absolute squalor with a very bad drug addiction. 
They were shooting up $500 worth of heroin and cocaine every day while living on Cheez-Its, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and Pop. They never left the room that they were staying in and never allowed housekeeping in. Even as the weeks accumulated, it was all just strewn with blood, vomit, their dog's feces, and over a hundred dirty needles. I also have photos of that on my Facebook page, and it's one of those things where you kind of need to see it to believe it. They had been living in that room for seven months, afraid to come out. They were just afraid of being spotted. They were kind of on the run and in hiding. The pair had met in rehab. Justin was a longtime heroin addict, so it was a match made in heaven. After breaking out of rehab, the pair decided to get married and they bought a condo using Christine's $360,000 inheritance that she was given from her deceased father. It was all very short-lived. They ended up getting rid of the condo. They probably sold it to pay for drugs and they ended up moving into that nasty hotel room that they were living in. When police bring the pair in for questioning, Christine denies the murder allegations. She always claimed to be the heartbroken, grieving friend. And in fact, back in the day, she was so devastated, she couldn't even make it to her best friend's funerals. But when they spoke to Christine's husband, Justin, he pretty much gave up the gig. He knew all about the murders. You see, Christine had confessed to him some time ago, and that's why they were on the run living in that dirty motel room. Shortly after moving into their new condo, they were sitting down watching TV when a news story about the anniversary of the murders popped up. Of course, they also showed that sketch composite of the suspects, and Christine turned to him and asked him if it looked like her. When he asked her why, she broke down and confessed what she'd done. According to her, of course, it was, after all, her version of events. She said that she and Chris went to the house to steal money and drugs. It was his idea, and Chris surprised her by handing her a gun just before they entered the house. He then shot Marcus. Another surprise. Christine had no idea it was all going to play out that way. And then, supposedly, the gun that she was carrying just kind of went off on its own, and she lost control of it as she fired blindly around the room, of course upset, devastated, and crying the whole time. After Christine and Chris left the crime scene, she told Chris she had to go back inside to make sure they were all dead. When she walked back inside, she saw Rachel crawling on the floor, trying to dial 911 on her cell phone while gagging on her own blood. At that point, Christine took out her pistol, she leveled it over her head, holding it by the barrel like a hammer, and began, in a whipping motion, pounding on the back of Rachel's head, bashing her skull in, making sure that she was dead. Yes, she had done this to her dearest friend, who still had that photo of her lovingly placed in her wallet. Then, Chris drove Christine to her job at Walgreens, and they both acted as if none of it had ever happened. With this testimony in hand, they were able to arrest Christina Paolila with capital murder, and her bail was set at $500,000. She was considered a flight risk. Then they went looking for Chris Snyder. In June of 2006, Chris Snyder had moved to Greenville, South Carolina, where he was living with a woman that he met online. 
After Christine's arrest, one of his family members called him to inform him that police had issued a warrant for his arrest in relation to the four murders. So he ran into the woods with a bottle of pills and a soda, and police eventually found him dead from a deliberate drug overdose. I really hate it when the criminals take the easy way out, especially now because we'll never really get the other side of the story. Christine, she continued to tell a variety of different versions of events. In one of her police interrogations, Christine said that when she and Chris parked near the house, it became clear that he was up to no good. She said, I was right behind Chris. I stayed behind him like the whole time because I felt so bad. I was just so scared. The detective asked her what she felt. and She said, he was gonna, you know, shoot me. Chris started arguing with Marcus and it was getting loud. And that's when I heard the first gunshot. I wanted to run, but I couldn't. I felt so scared and I felt so sick. And then it felt like I kept hearing like the bubble wrap noises, like pop, 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 pop. Christine said Chris had forced her to carry a gun. Then she said he made her fire it. So the gun was in your hand, the interrogator asked. He was holding on to it too, she said, and I was scared and I was crying and like uh, I had made the gun go off, not purposely, a million times. So basically she claimed Chris Snyder killed all of the people and she just held the gun, which is pretty convenient since Chris killed himself. It didn't really matter anyway. On October 13th, 2008, she was convicted of four counts of capital murder. Because she had been a juvenile offender at the time of the killings, she was lucky to be spared the death penalty. But the following day, she was sentenced to life in prison. Christine's serving her time at the Women's Penitentiary in Gatesville, Texas. She's not eligible for parole until 2046, although she did file an appeal right after she was convicted, basically on the basis that she was high on drugs when she gave her confession to police, so it should be thrown out. But that was turned down, so she's still in jail, and she's not eligible for parole in 2046, so I don't know, we'll have to see if she spends the rest of her life in jail or if maybe she gets off easy. Time will tell. So why did she kill the two people who were the most kind to her? We'll never really know for sure. She still hasn't even really owned up to what she's done. She mostly just blames Chris and says her gun went off. But one can speculate that it was probably related to her heavy drug use and then maybe a bit of jealousy. She was using a lot of drugs around that time, so she may not have been in her right mind or really knowing what was going on around her. Compounded with the fact that she was in a very toxic and mentally abusive relationship with this older man. Even though she had made some physical changes on the outside to her appearance, you know, added some new clothes, some makeup... On the inside, she was still very insecure. She probably felt very isolated and lonely. And while Rachel and Tiffany were both very kind to her, she may have still been jealous of what they had had and who they were. They were both very beautiful, bright women, and who knows how she felt. And that is the story of how Christine Paolila killed the two people in the world who were the kindest to her. 
I want to once again thank tonight's sponsor. You guys, go grab the book, True Crime Stories, Murders, Disappearances, and Serial Killers, Twisted Tales of True Crime, written by Hannah Tidy. You can grab it from Audible or Amazon. I also have the direct link in my show notes to make it easy for you. Do it. As for me, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give me a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to become a patron and unlock some badass bonuses, guys, I'm talking ad-free episodes, discounts on merch, maybe some co-host opportunities. Just just wait and see. I have some amazing things coming up. Make sure you visit patron.podbean.com slash Serial Napper. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye. <laughs>